0: Good morning, everyone. Good morning. The uh, Lord's given me a message to share with you today. But before I do that, I want to take just a moment. Do you know what day it is? It's Rosh Hashanah. Yes, it is the Jewish New Year for the civil calendar. Amen. This is the Jewish New Year, the head of the year. Now, I'm going to ask you to do something because the, the Jewish people on Rosh Hashanah greet one another. And they say to their friends, their families, their neighbors, may you have a good year. Okay, now I want us to stand together. And I want us to speak to Israel this morning, to God's Jewish people around the face of the earth. Amen. And can we just say that together? May you have a good year. Amen. Lord, we bless Israel. We bless your people. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We pray for the manifestation of your purpose and your destiny for your people, Lord, this morning. And, Lord, we thank you for them. They are our brothers, Lord, and they have given us our Savior. And, Lord, we give them our blessing this morning, and we pray over them, Lord, your blessing as well. And, Father, we pray this morning that you would bless the people gathered here, those who are watching online. And Lord, that you would anoint your word with power this morning and may it change our hearts as we hear with faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Turn with me in your Bibles this morning. We're going to go back to the book of James. I didn't plan it that way, but that's the way it ended up. So... You know, so we need to have sometimes the Lord, give the Lord freedom to revise our plans as necessary, right? Is that okay? And uh, so I want to read to you from uh, James chapter 4, beginning with verse 1. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Where do wars and fights or fightings come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask And do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think the scripture says in vain The spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously, but, here's the good news, but, amen, with all of that going on, all of that war, all of that striving, all of that struggle, but he gives more grace, therefore he says, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. I'm going to stop reading there. Um, And as we look at this passage of Scripture, we see a situation of striving, of conflict, of people who can't get what they want, and when they do get what they want, It doesn't bring any fulfillment to their life. And the reason they are is because they are trying desperately to meet their own needs. You don't have because you don't ask. So these are people who are being proud, who are being stubborn, who are struggling in the strength of their own flesh and of their own will, trying to make themselves happy. And I think the Lord would say to them, how's that working for you? How is that working for you? It's not working, they would have to say. It's not working. So the thing is, and James is a straight shooter, a straight, strong speaker. He doesn't mince words because he knows what he's dealing with. And I think he knows who he's speaking to. Now, Martin Luther did not like the book of James, because he thought it was a little strong and too much emphasis on human responsibility and works and things like this. And he, he was a grace man. And James is a man of truth, calling us to truth, calling us to respond to the Lord and, and to submit to God. I mean, to submit to God. We're going to talk about submitting to God this morning. We could talk about resisting the devil, but we'll do with that some other time. Because submission must come before resistance. Submission to God must come before we have the power to resist evil. So it's very important. What we're, what we're looking at here is very important. And it begins with this grace. But God gives more grace. He resists the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. Amen the good news good news this morning is if we submit to God if we humble ourselves before him he will give us grace amen and grace is the 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 power of God amen the operational power of God to cause something to happen that needs to happen amen so we have a choice we can do it our own way or There's God's way. And James lays it out pretty clearly. If you do it this way, here's what happens. But if you submit to God, he will give you grace. And that grace will enable the will of God to take place in your life. It will enable you as a person to do what God's called you to do. It will give you the power to overcome your enemies it will give you the power to win a victory over your own struggles. Amen? And, and so this is what we're, we're focusing on this morning is the power of submission. The power of submitting to God. What it does for us and what it enables to God to do in us because we have submitted our will to His will. And by the way, you don't give your will away. You don't give up on your will. No, God doesn't call us to be passive. He gave us a free will. He gave it to us so that we could husband it and we could use our free will to agree with His will. That's the power of the human will and it's the power of God's will. God wants us to work in concert with Him And it's possible to do that. Now, if you were to look in the Greek New Testament, we we call this the book of James, the Greek. In Greek, it's the book of Jacob. Sometimes I felt like I should have been named Jacob. Because Jacob is a person who wrestles and who fights and seeks desperately through his own intelligence and his own effort to get his own way right? He, he's going to be in control. He's going to be in charge, and he's going to make it happen. He's a type A personality, amen, and um, so he's, he's, he, is a, he is a one who fights. He fought with his father-in-law. He fought for this. He fought for that. He was, for 21 years, he went through this struggle, amen, to get what God said he was going to give him, that sound interesting are you beginning to identify with this at all i do i like i say i i should have been named jacob because god had to wrestle with me even after i was you know in the ministry after i said lord here's my life everything i i gave my life to him but i still wanted to steer i wanted to put my foot on the accelerator I wanted to be able to be in control, and God was saying, "John, what are you doing? Let me, let me have control. Let me lead. Let me guide. Let me guide you. I want to. I don't want to walk with you. I want you to walk with me. You know. But I drugged God some places. He didn't want to go. Had a guarantee that he'd go. He'd be with me always." Well, he was there, but he was reluctantly there. Because God didn't call me so that I could he could walk with me. He called me so I could walk with him. And in order for that to take place successfully, amen, I had to quit being a Jacob. In order for me to quit being a Jacob, God had to wrestle me to the ground. It took a couple years for him to do it. Jacob, it just took one night. But I struggled because I knew God's calling on my life, and I so desperately wanted it. But I was working in my own strength and my own effort trying to make it happen, trying to force the door open, trying to make the way that I, I felt like God wanted me to go. And um, Judy can give you her testimony of what it was like to live with a Jacob. Jacob. But she can also give a testimony to the time that Jacob um, got defeated by the Lord. Amen. Jacob uh, wrestled with God all night. Have you thought about that? He wrestled with the angel of the Lord all night long. Amen. It's getting ready to, to the sun to come up and daybreak. And the angel of the Lord says, I, I have to leave now because... You know, you don't want to see my face. You might not survive that. And Jacob's still fighting. I'm not going to let go of you till you bless me. Hmm. (laughs) Does that sound familiar? I'm the only Jacob in this room. But anyway, the thing is, is is God did bless him. He crippled his thigh. He crippled his thigh. And and I, I... can you just imagine Jacob the rest of his life? Where have you been? Been fighting with God? Who won? He did. Anyway. <laughs> they crippled him. But you know, Jacob went out a supplanter. He went out a troublemaker. But he came back from that wrestling match different. He came back not a troublemaker, but a peacemaker. He sent an offering to create a blessing and a peace and reconciliation between him and his brother with whom he'd striven since the moment he was born, before he was born. While he was being born, he was already fighting with his brother. Now, that's the biblical picture. So, and, but at this point in his life, something happened. When God crippled him, when God blessed him, he changed his name from Jacob to Israel. And that day, Jacob quit fighting God and became one who would fight for God because Israel means the army of the Lord. So what I believe God wants to do is to wrestle us till he wins. Wrestle to us till we give up our struggle and yield our will to his will. Now, I'm going to cover some things this morning. I want to give you quickly three examples of submission in the Bible so you can kind of get a picture of what happens and what it looks like. But the thing is, is just understand what God's purpose is here. He gives grace. He gives grace. He gives grace to the humble. He resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. Amen. And and I tell you, now Judy wanted to, to, to get this over with forever. She wanted to have one big fight with God and just have done with it. And she asked our pastor Patricia. Says, "Can I just do this and get it over with?" And Pat says, "No, (laughs) you got to do it every day. (laughs) You got to keep. You got to do it and keep doing it the rest of your life." I've continued to submit, to continue every day to choose God's will over your will, to choose God's way over your way, to choose God's thoughts over your thoughts. So this is the army of God, a people who are constantly choosing with their will to be there to do God's will with him. I mean, you can't do it for Him, but you can do it with Him. Amen? But that's, that's an incredible partnership. Now, as you look at submission, and you look at biblical examples, when God's people submitted to the Lord, it's interesting where that takes place. When Abraham was 115 years old, when his wife was about 105 or 106 years old, God spoke to Abraham in in Genesis 22. Now it came to pass after these things, God tested him and said to him, Abraham, God tested him after these things. After 40 years, it's now been 40 years, since God left, I mean Abraham left his own land, his own country, his own kindreds, to go after and follow the Lord. It was 25 years after he left the land of Ur that he received the promise of God and, and Isaac was born. So now Isaac is 16 years old approximately. So that gives you a kind of a picture. It's been 40 years of Abraham walking with God. And a tremendous demonstration of Abraham's faith in every situation, wherever he went. You see a man of tremendous faith and confidence in the Lord, of tremendous continual obedience. Also a man who went through his struggles after 15 years of waiting, you know, for a baby in Sarah came up with their own plan and thought, well, let's just, Hagar can help us with this problem. Created another problem, uh, which God turned into another blessing. But anyway, it's what happens when we quit waiting on God and try to push him. Let me tell you, it does not work. Do not try that at home. Don't try it anywhere, but don't try it at home. Because it doesn't work, but sometimes we we want to help God get his will done, don't we? I don't hear a lot of amens, but <laughs> I sense there's some identification going on here. But after these things, after these things, the Lord spoke to Abraham and said, Abraham, and he said, Hear my. Hear my. What did Isaiah say last week? Here am I. What did Jesus say? He says, lo, I've come to do thy will, O God. Here am I. That's a really good response when God speaks your name. Here am I. Even before you know what he's going to say. How many of you, like me, would like to? Lord, Lord, let me see what's on the next page before I say, here am I. (laughs) What am I signing up for? (laughs) Okay, But Abraham said, here am I. And the Lord asked Abraham a most unusual thing. Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. And Abraham rose early the next morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him, Isaac his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering, arose and went to the place where the Lord had told him. Then on the third day, Abram lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abram said to his young men, stay here with the donkey, the lad and I will go up yonder and worship. Abraham must have been from the south. And we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the offering, the burnt offering, and laid it on Isaac, his son. He took fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went up together. And Abraham, even after three days, can you imagine? God's asking you to do the unthinkable. God's asking you to do the unthinkable. After all of the promises of God have been fulfilled, and you have spent 16 years enjoying the sun and learning to love this sun that God has given you, and the Lord says, offer him up. And Abraham, walking for three days, is still determined to the time he gets up to the top of the mountain to build an altar to set the place, the wood in place, and then to lay his son upon the offering altar, and then to lift his own hand with a knife in it, with the intention of slaying his own son, before the Lord says, "Stop, Abram, do no, do your son no harm." And then he heard the sound of a ram caught in the thicket, and he was able to take Isaac off of the altar and put the ram on the altar. And by the way, that is an incredible picture of the Lord providing the sacrifice for us as well. But it is an amazing thing. And then the Lord says, Now, Abram, I know you fear me because you would not withhold your son, your only son. I know you love me, Abraham, because you would not withhold your son, your only son. If you read in the book of Hebrews... It's the faith chapter it says by abram by faith abraham offered was willing to offer up his son isaac believing that god could raise him from the dead but you know believing that before it happens when it's your son i mean it's incredible <laughs> and you you know you might say well pastor john you're talking about abraham okay But Galatians, it says, we who live by faith are what? Seed or the sons of Abraham. So, you know, it's in the family, runs in the family. And it's, but because of this, because Abram was willing to take everything God had given him and yield it to him, again, God could do even greater things. Abraham did not know, but shortly after this, his wife Sarah would die. Amen. But together, in this last chapter of her life, they experienced the faithfulness of God in such a profound way of giving him back the son they had given, he had given them to begin with. Amen. That's such an incredible, marvelous thing that the Lord has done through Abraham. Amen, and, and because he did that, amen, then the, the God gives that covenant to Abraham once again and says, this is not just about your son, it's about Abraham, I'm giving you nations. I'm giving you nations. I'm gonna give you many nations. I will give you the nations of the earth, and we're still seeing God fulfill his promise to Abraham today, amen. But Abraham was willing to submit the thing that God had done. As a young pastor in the ministry, someone came to me and said, John, every time God moves and he does something wonderful, you know what you need to do? I said, what? He said, you need to turn around, fall down, and humble yourself before God and lay it before him. Lord, this is yours. This is what you have done. And then get up in humility and trust God to do it again. Amen. But even when you're on top of the mountain, there is a place of submission. Even when you've seen the promises of God fulfilled, there's a place of submission. There's always a place of submission that God calls us to. Will we submit everything we have in order to obtain what God wants to give us next? That's the question this morning. Amen, that should be within every one of our hearts. Are we willing to trust God again? Are we willing to trust God more? Are we willing to submit to Him once again? Amen. That's one way of submission. Then there's the other way, which is we see the Lord surrendering on the cross. Turn with me real quick to Matthew 26. 2636. I am in such a dilemma. I can't see you without my glasses. I can't see the Bible with them. So, anyway, in a couple weeks I get maybe, I'm trusting the Lord to get my sight back in the right eye. Okay. This is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to the disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. And he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. And he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little farther, he fell on his face, and he prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And then he came to his disciples, and he found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, Peter, what could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, a second time, he went and he prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if this can, cup can pass away from me, unless I drink of it, if this cup can pass away, From me, unless I drink of it, your will be done. And he came, and he found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Now, this is submission, at the most painful and difficult moment in the life of Jesus. This is when everything is on the line. Amen. Jesus said to his disciples: the Son of Man did not come to, to serve but to or, or to, to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus knew that what he was called to do, but here standing at the gate of suffering, standing in that moment when he was about to be betrayed and the night before he would go to the cross and give up his life. Amen. This, this was the point where everything was on the line. This was the most difficult moment. It was He was not just facing a cruel cross. He was facing great hatred and jealousy. Every demon, every principality, every power of evil was screaming at him. Screaming at him, tormenting him, mocking him, accusing him, if you be the son of God. But he was in the garden struggling, struggling because, you see, Jesus didn't go to the cross as Superman. He went to the cross as a man. He went to the cross as a man. Not to bear it in the strength of the Holy Spirit or the power of God, but to bear it in his own body, suffering on a tree. He who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So he was facing not just terrible physical pain. He was facing becoming sin that he hated all unrighteousness that he abhorred. He took upon himself the sins of all mankind and was tempted in every way and in every point, all at once, even as we are tempted. He bore that. And in that moment, the Son of God struggled in prayer three different times. Lord, Father, if it is possible. If it can be, if there's another way, let this cup pass from me. Nobody in their right mind would want to go where God was taking him. But Jesus said, submitting submitting to the Father's will, nevertheless, thy will be done. There's moments where it's very painful, very difficult and again, you say, but he was Jesus. He's, he's the Savior. Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God didn't seek it, consider it robbery to be equal with God, but he made of himself no reputation, taking the form of a bond servant And coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him a name above every other name. Amen. That at that name, every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. It is so easy to read that verse. We cannot even imagine what it was like for him to go through that testing in the garden that night. Three different times the pressure of doing the will of God came upon his human body, upon his mind, his soul, and his spirit, and he had to submit to the will of God. Amen. Now, I don't think we will ever be tested to that extent. But I know this. Because he went and he was faithful, there's a way for us. There's a way to submit when danger and pain are all around and threat abounds. There's a way to submit to the will of God. And see what God can do. Amen. So I want to encourage you today. Amen. To just know that there's power in submission. You can submit to the Lord. And the Lord will give you the power to do the will of God. Even in the most difficult moment of your life. None of us can even understand or, or somehow have any concept of that. But there's another point of surrender. It's called prayer. <laughs> okay. And this applies to us. <laughs> Amen. When, when Jesus was teaching the Sermon on the Mount, he said, when you pray, when you pray, pray in this manner. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven that is where that prayer where we are submitting our will to the will of God we're submitting our lives to the kingdom of God let thy kingdom come amen I would have to say so many of the prayers in my life have been selfish and have ignored one powerful scriptural truth Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all of these things will be added unto you. Amen. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Amen. The Lord wants us to submit our will, our hearts to that desire that God's kingdom would come above everything else. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Now, I know Pentecostals and evangelicals, we do not like to repeat prayers. Amen. And some of you prayed your way through with the rosary so many times, you never wore out the beads, but you did wear out your fingers. Okay. But just because you had to say X amount of our fathers and et cetera, et cetera, I want you to know that this prayer should at least be prayed on a daily basis. Because it says, give us this day our daily prayer. (laughs) Amen. The Lord said, don't worry about tomorrow. Take it one day at a time. And this prayer takes it one day at a time. Because if you do God's will today, you'll be lined up for tomorrow. Pretty good. But you have to go, it has to be a choice in your heart. I want God's will to be done in my life. And sometimes people only pray that three or four times really seriously or intently in their life. But I would say in the days that we live, we need to be praying that on a daily basis. I don't know what the road ahead holds, but I've got a feeling there's some interesting times ahead of us. They're going to be wonderful, and they are going to be terrible. This new year, 5783 on the Jewish calendar, uh, is this, this year begins a new Shemitah. That means a new seven-year uh, section of, of, of the Lord fulfilling His purpose and His destiny for the, the nation Israel. And... Um, You know, and and I can't tell you is this the last one or is it the next one or the one after that, but I can tell you it's getting very close. Now, in uh, in, uh, 2029, there's going to be an asteroid that shows up that's called Wormwood. That's a little interesting. It's coming back in 2036, just in case you missed 229 or whatever. But um, anyway, I'm just saying these things are lining up. The armies are surrounding Jerusalem. Amen. Right now, Iran, Iran and the, the Hamas and Hezbollah have thousands and thousands and thousands of rockets that they intend to fire into Israel sometime in the very near future. And Israel is going to have to fight for their life. Right now, they're sending out teams to destroy those rockets as fast as they can find them and as fast as their enemy can make them. But at some point here, there's going to be a war between Israel, especially in northern Israel, between Israel and their northern neighbors. And so when that happens, when that happens, you know, amen, that the clock is ticking. When you see that, probably there will be a a powerful short-term war that will end in a peace agreement that brings peace to that region and stability to the rest of the world. But when that happens, you're well within seven years. And so I'm just saying this morning, this is not a time to be careless about the will of God. This is not a time to be careless about the will of God. This is a time to be yielding our will every day, saying, Lord, let your will be done. Because one, we're not here to escape. We're not here so God can disappear us at the most crucial moment in history. We are here to make a difference. We're here to show forth the glory of God. We're here to preach the gospel till Jesus comes. Amen. Now you say, well, what if your plan's off? My plan is when Jesus shows up, I'm going with him. But you better have the same plan, even if he didn't show up today when everybody thought he would. That's why I'm saying this. Amen. A lot of people have said this and this and that, and a lot of people have been wrong. And we we can't be certain, absolutely certain about the future, but we can get some pretty clear hints of what might be coming next. And so I'm trying to give you that this morning because this is a time to be submitting because the kingdom of God is in process, and the kingdom of God is going to come forth. There's going to be seven trumpets, seven trumpets. And when that trump, last trumpet sounds, a voice is going to go out from the throne of God and says, now are the kingdoms of this world become the kingdom of our God. But not until that seventh trumpet. When the last trumpet sounds, that's what it says in 1 Corinthians 15. Now, a lot of people want to be first trumpet people, but in the Bible, the last trumpet, seventh trumpet, the last trumpet. When did the walls of Jericho come down? On the seventh day. I mean I was reading in Revelation just a few weeks ago or maybe 10 days ago whatever and I was reading about the first trumpet when the first trumpet sounds there will be hail and fire. What? Hail and fire. Big hailstones and lots of fire. Have any of you been watching the weather reports? If you don't want to predict tomorrow what happened this summer. Hail and fire. Now, maybe it's not to the same degree or whatever that will be, but it's already there. Amen. A third of the force will burn. A fourth of the force will burn. We're seeing that take place before our very eyes. So I'm telling you this morning, I'm not here to scare you, but I'm here to say that your safest place is in the center of God's will. Your safest place is submitting to God's will. He Proverbs says... To excuse me, I'm sorry. I have to go through this carefully here. Proverbs says, "Trust in the Lord with all your heart." Proverbs three five through six. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. We don't, I mean, that's pretty clear. In all your ways, acknowledge him. I mean, when I came to a very important decision about, you know, who I was going to marry, I I had a conversation with the Lord and said, Lord, I don't know what I'm doing. He said, you're right. You don't know what you're doing. You need my help. You've been looking for a wife. You need to become a husband. Ooh. Well, and, uh, I was going to do that when I found her, you know, but the Lord turned me around and said, No, that's the first thing. You become a husband, and I'll take care of the wife. And I had a choice about who I was going to marry. Okay, because when you're at that altar, what do you say? I do. You know, when you're proposing, what do you say? I choose you. But I knew this was the most important decision I would make, other than my decision to follow the Lord. And to trust him. And I said, Lord, I give you the privilege of choosing my wife because I, you know better than I what I need. And about four months later, he pointed out this wonderful woman, Says she's the one you're going to marry. Now, guys, I didn't go up and tell her that that night. <laughs> Neither did I go up and ask her to, for a date that moment. I just said, Lord, I need your help, you, as you said I did, so I need you to help with some introductions. So anyway, he arranged his, her, I met her roommate, and then we sat down, we were having supper, she was across from the table, says, let me introduce you to my roommate, Judy. So anyway, the Lord took care of it and brought us through, so that's that's a major decision, and of course, in something like that, you really want to have God's wisdom and God's direction. Amen? But um you know, gals, you don't go to the men's store and pick the one you like off the shelf. You know, women, guys, you don't go to the women's store and pick the one you like off the shelf. No, you let, I mean, you really need God's wisdom. <laughs> and you need him to lead you, to guide you, and give you that person that's going to bring you the fulfillment and the joy that he wants to have in your life. Amen. But even after we were wonderfully married and beginning our life together, we we had a little spending problem we didn't have a lot of money but uh, we were, we were a little susceptible to salesmen and uh, this one guy came knocking on our door selling encyclopedias yeah mhm and he spread out this beautiful poster on the floor and showed us this beautiful set of encyclopedias and all of these reading books and things that we would get with this and how he could set us up on a monthly payment of just $15 a month. And Judy and I looked and said, oh, when we have children, we're going to need this. Never mind, we didn't have children for four years. They didn't learn to read for six or seven years. And they didn't do a paper in school until they were nine years old. And by then, our encyclopedias were out of date. But that didn't keep us from being impulsive and buying encyclopedias. But you know we've used them to flatten leaves we've used them to you know to glue things together, so they're not it's not been a total waste but we we found out we're a little impulsive and then after that, then somebody came along and showed us a beautiful piano and offered us a payment deal and. We were paying $15 on the encyclopedias, and he offered us pay us only $19 a month to get this beautiful piano. Well, my wife plays the piano, and so we got to get this piano for my wife. That's my job as a husband to make sure she has a piano to play. So we ended up with $19 a month. Now, if you want to see how that really amounts to multiply it times 10, that'll bring it up to today's value. And then another guy showed up with stainless steel cookingware. But after the piano, Judy and I said, you know, we need some help here. So we, did, we made a decision that we would not make any major purchase the same day it was offered to us. We would pray at least 24 hours, and we would pray until we both had an agreement before we made a decision. So we prayed about the steel pans and called the guy and said, sorry, we can't afford $27.52 a month. So the thing is, is you you have to, in all your ways, acknowledge him. In all your ways. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. So I'm sharing this with you this morning just because it's very, very important. And there's places where all of us have difficulty submitting probably number ones with finances. But God has a plan for our finances. If we'll follow it, it works. You know, if you will put the Lord first, and if you will let the Lord guide you and 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 you know, and give you some wisdom concerning finances. If you need help, ask for it. Find somebody who does well with their finances and ask them what they're doing. You know, or whatever. Ask one of the elders or the pastors, and uh, but realize that what you do with your finances is critical. What we do with our family—that's the next area of big problems, whether it's your husband or your wife, your children or your grown children, amen. You got to keep those submitted to the Lord, not my will, not my will. How many of you think sometimes you know what your wife or your husband ought to be doing that they're not doing or how they ought to be that they're not being, amen, and you just try to give God a little bit of help, amen. The more important it is, The more important it is to submit it to God because only God can change their heart. Only God can change them if He wants to. Big if. Okay. Probably the next area is our problems and our faults. Oh, I messed up. I got to fix that. I I did a dumb thing one time, and I was dragging a a dumpster with my car, and I put on the brakes, and the the dumpster came alongside and hit the side of my car and dented it. And I was so embarrassed and so ashamed, there was no way I was calling the insurance guy over that. So next thing I did was get out a hammer and try to fix it myself. And then I got some putty and tried to smooth it myself. It looked like a car with a fat lip. Anyway. But you got to give your problems to the Lord. Listen to your words. If you're calling it my problem, that's the problem. It's still yours. You need to say, Lord, I did this. I messed this up, but I need your help. I'm giving you this problem. We were singing about him giving beauty for ashes. But if you want his beauty, what do you got to give him? The ashes. All right? So these are the things that we have to submit to God. But it's very hard to give God our failures, folks. To tell the Lord, I messed up big time. Can you help me, please? I should have asked for your help before. Okay, then there's that trying to fix things ourselves. I gave you just a good illustration of that. One woman got a job in a a factory weaving fabrics, and there was all of these spindles and this machine going back and forth this way, making the fabric, and it was just her job to make sure that it was just working the way it was supposed to. And uh, the, the guy who was training her said, If it gets tangled, stop the machine. Do not fix it. Call me. Well, it was her first day. It got tangled. She was embarrassed, so she tried to fix it. After a while, she called him, said, you fixed it yourself, didn't you? Tried to. You see, that's us. And that's the Lord saying, please call me. Amen. then other people have problems adopting other people's problems, taking responsibility for things they're not responsible for, And if you're doing that, I go, what Under you, can you spell S-O-S? Because you're going to need it, okay? So these are the areas, very important areas, where we have to keep our hearts submitted. If we're experiencing the following symptoms, worry, anger, frustration, anxiety, it all indicates we're carrying some burdens we shouldn't be carrying. And we're carrying them farther than we can carry them. Cast all of your burdens upon the Lord, for he careth for you. But you say, Pastor, you don't know my problems. No, but I know my Jesus, and I know he's pretty good at doing things. You know, just in closing, share with you. uh, It was about a year and a half ago on the television broadcast, Bruce McDonald was sharing a message on cast your burdens upon the Lord, for he cares for you. And a woman called our, our translator, interpreter, Sabo, and asked him, he said, uh, the, the pastor was sharing this message saying, Jesus cares for me. He says, somebody has come, some people have come, and they have kidnapped my daughter. And these people belong to a cult that believes in human sacrifice, and they intend to kill my daughter. Can Jesus help me? And Sabo very wisely said, if you believe, I believe he will. And they prayed together. That was on a Sunday evening after the broadcast. The next day in the afternoon, a group of policemen were in this certain section of a certain city going through sweeping a neighborhood to find drugs, searching from house to house. And in one of the houses, they found her daughter. And she was home by that evening. I can't imagine the desperation of a woman whose daughter has been kidnapped by those kind of people. But in that situation, God intervened for her behalf. And so I know the Lord is willing to carry your burdens. Let's stand together this morning. if you have an addiction and cannot break it, you've tried, I'm just going to say this morning, come to this altar and submit that to the Lord and He will deliver you. He will deliver you. If you have a sin problem that just keeps plaguing you, a sin that keeps defeating you, repeating over and over again in your life. Submit it to the Lord. Let the Lord bear your sin. Don't bear it yourself. You cannot bear your own sin. Come and bring that sin to the Lord. There's bitterness in your heart because somebody has hurt you terribly. You cannot, you cannot resolve that bitterness. All you can do is bring that poison, that poison of bitterness and submit it to the feet of Jesus and be willing to forgive, at least make a choice to forgive that person that has hurt you or people who've hurt you and let it go. Let it go. Set them free and God will set you free this morning. Amen. If you're in a financial situation and you can't Figure your way out. Come and just give it to the Lord this morning. Give Him your cigarettes. Give Him whatever. Just throw it on the altar. We'll clean it up later. But it's time to yield to the yes. Lord. It's time to yield to the yes. Lord. So I'm just going to call you to come to the altar quickly this morning. If that, some of those things, you're in the middle of those things, come. Come right now. The Lord's been speaking to you this morning. Come and yield that to the Lord right now. Just come. Come to the altar. Guys, you can kneel down here, right here at these steps. Just kneel down and yield those things to the Lord.